Open your Bibles, if you will, to Luke chapter uh, 18. Luke, Luke chapter 18 to begin here this morning. I'm going to be preaching about something that's very, uh, very simple, very easy uh, to preach about, to talk about, very difficult to do and practice. Uh, Luke chapter 18, uh, verse 1, the Bible says this. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not faint. Saying there was a city, uh, there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, "Avenge me of mine adversary." And he would not for a while, but afterwards he said within himself, "Though I fear not God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me." And the Lord said, "Hear what the unjust judge saith." And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you again for uh, this group of people that have come out on a Sunday morning. Um, Lord, it is uh, good to see uh, smiling faces. It is good to see people that uh, have a desire to hear the word of God. I pray that you would bless each and every one of them for being here. Pray, Father, you would set um, uh, my lips aside, my words aside, that the words of uh, your book uh, might speak to the hearts of your people. Uh, Obviously, we pray, of course, if there's somebody here that's never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, that, Father, they would realize that we serve a mighty God, a holy God. We serve a God, Father, that answers prayers, and if they would just reach out to him for salvation, they would answer that prayer as well. Just ask you to bless what we have going on here this morning. Uh, Keep our hearts and our minds stayed upon thee. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, the purpose of this parable, obviously uh, stated in, in verse 1, um, to, the, to this end, the Lord said, to this end, that uh, men ought always to pray and not faint. Uh, one of the ways, ladies and gentlemen, we get through to God with prayer, one of the ways that, um, that we can capture his attention is if we pray and not faint. Amen? Uh, pray and pray and pray. Now, obviously, we all know how Matt and Leah met. Uh, most of you are very familiar with the story, and Brother Castellan and I driving to Superior, um, and that was an exciting story. It was a lot of fun, and Brother Castellan and I made a lot of jokes about it, high-fived, and, you know, kind of uh, stuck our chest out. Whoa, that's awesome. Uh, what you may not know, some of you know this, I think I mentioned it Wednesday night, but some of you may not know this, but... When we got to the wedding, Sister Kathy Gipp has been praying for Leah since she was a little girl <laughs> to get married. It wasn't Brother Castlaw. <laughs> it wasn't me. You know what it was? It was one woman who had a close enough relationship with God to keep up her prayers. Amen. She had been praying actually for, I think it was two or three young ladies for years to get married. And uh, she's made this comment. She said, earlier this year, she goes, you know, I was sitting down, I had my prayer list out, and she said this. She goes, I was looking at those, those girls' names, and she said, I was praying. I said, Lord, you know, I'm tired of praying for these ladies. <laughs> Would you do something so I can get these girls off my prayer list? <laughs> Two of them have gotten married this year. <laughs> Amen? I think that's, I mean, it's, it's hilarious. But it also goes to show you how the Lord, you know, the Lord understands what we're going through and he listens, right? 
Um, I thought that was kind of funny. Would you please take them off my prayer list? Um, So we thought it was us, but it really wasn't. It was because some lady who was in touch with God, she didn't stop praying because it took too long. Amen? Um, She didn't stop praying because, you know, two, three, four years into the process, she kind of got to the point where she thought, well, apparently God's not listening. She didn't stop praying because she, in her own heart, somehow or another, lost interest in what she was praying for. Right? Um, she, uh, she kept that thing dear to her, and she just continued on, continued on, continued on, and the Lord answered her prayers. As I look across our country, I realize uh, very simply that we are, as a country, a nation in need of that kind of prayer. Amen? Amen? I know that I've mentioned this topic uh, fairly recently, uh, but brethren, with what we have going on in our nation right now, uh, I felt like it was (laughs) something that warranted preaching about again. Amen? I would like uh, to think of this day, this, you know, this, this sermon as a call to arms, so to speak. Christian arms, prayer. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10.4 says this, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, through the pulling down of strongholds. We have something available to us that can change the course of this nation, of this election, of these things that we see going on. And brethren, we as Christians ought to utilize it. Amen? Uh, you've seen enough news to know what's going on and what this nation is facing. Um, in fact, we live in the, the epicenter of this you know, latest round of lawlessness and turmoil, right? Happened right here in Minneapolis. Uh, it doesn't get much closer to home than that, folks. Unfortunately, we think that we're isolated because we are out of town. We don't live downtown. But brethren, the only reason that the rioting is not here in Hastings um, <clears throat> is because of something that's very easy to overcome, and that is transportation. Amen? Uh, that's the only reason we don't have it here. Don't think that you're safe and it can't happen in Hastings. Or Red Wing. Or Meesville. Right? I was out in Montana and some of the people were telling me how that uh, Antifa and uh, BLM tried to have a presence and demonstrate in some of the smaller towns out west there in Idaho and in Montana. And what they found was a bunch of uh, cowboys, (laughs) a bunch of patriots uh, that caught wind of what was going on and they all showed up in mass downtown. And they were armed with weapons that were carnal. (laughs) And they walked the streets of their own town and Antifa and BLM got scared and left. I think they showed up with 40 or 50 people and they had hundreds of locals. Right? Now every ounce of my being screams out to protect those people that are helpless and those that can't protect themselves. You think of widows, you think of orphans, you think of the unprotected. In fact, the, the karate organization that I belong to um, has its own anthem. And of course, we sing the anthem, rah, 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 rah. But one of the lines... One of the lines goes like this, uh, and the, the name of the artist is Tong Sudo. So one of the lines says, wherever Tong Su man walks, justice and honor meet. 
And then it says this, injustice will be thwarted through our hands and feet. I like that. <laughs> Amen? I like that. I know that weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but I like that sentiment. Uh, but we as Christians have a greater weapon than our hands and feet. Amen? We have something in prayer that, that will um, outkick any Taekwondo expert. <laughs> um, and brethren, our nation, our nation needs our prayer. We need to pray for a couple of different reasons. Number one, you and I need to realize, folks, God still answers prayer. Amen? Amen? Amen. God is not a God that he cannot hear. God hears your prayers. And God still answers prayers. Amen. Don't ever get to the place where you feel like God is not hearing or God is not listening. Uh, he may wait for a while. But God still answers prayer. The answer may be yes, or it may be no, or it may be something in between. Maybe wait, uh, you know, but God still answers prayer. We need to pray because God often waits to intercede in the affairs of men until we ask. Amen? I mean, sometimes it's, it's like a father. Sometimes the father just wants to hear the son say what he wants. Sometimes we, we forget that. We don't act upon that. We need to pray because it lets God know that we are serious about what's going on. And I'm not just talking about setting down at the table, oh, good bread, good meat, come on, let's eat, type of prayer. Amen? I mean, brethren, we've got some problems going on in our nation that are some fundamentally things that are down to the core that are wrong and it's going to take a little more than just a passing prayer from a bunch of us Christians to have anything really happen um, I'm going to ask something very specific of you uh, today and which is really the whole thrust of this sermon I'm going to cover a few areas where our country needs prayer simple areas nothing that you don't already know hopefully most of you are already praying for these, for these things. You can probably guess what they are. But I'm going to ask you as we go along, so I'd like you to pay attention and consider each of these areas that we're talking about. And what I would like is for all of us here at Berean to choose one or more of these areas and then in your heart commit yourself to be praying for them on a regular basis. Especially between now and the election. I'm asking you to try to remember your best. I mean, you don't, have to, you, know, you don't have to change your whole life around or anything like that. But I'm just asking you to try on a regular basis. Put it on a prayer list if you have a prayer list. If you don't, start one. <laughs> I'm asking you as you think about this, these items throughout the course of your day, during the week, at night, that when these things come to your mind, that you just take a few minutes, maybe even in silence, maybe a few seconds, and just beseech the Lord every time it crosses your mind, Lord, would you help our country? Would you help us in this area? Father, we need this. 
So as it crosses your mind, just take a moment. And again, maybe it is only silently. That's okay. But brethren, if we can get every Christian across this country doing that, we can get a hold of God. Amen? My goal is to have all of us here at Berean praying for these things constantly. We ought to bring uh, before the throne our cares, our concerns, our desires for our country so that God can intercede in our behalf. I don't know what's going to happen with this mess that we're in right now. But I know this. I know I've got a God that can answer prayer. Amen? Um, We ought to bring to God's remembrance the wickedness of our enemies. And ask him to judge accordingly. Right? I mean, God's a God of holiness and righteousness. We ought to be able to bring before him those things and ask God to judge in righteousness and in holiness and to promote the things that are good and right and to thwart the things that are not. We need to pray because it works, prayer that is, works against impossible odds. I don't care what the polls say. (laughs) I don't care what people say. I know this. Prayer turns things around that people think are impossible. Amen? Amen. 2 Kings Kings 19, uh, Hezekiah is king and Back in verse 3, he says, Thus saith Hezekiah, this day is a day of trouble and of rebuke and blasphemy, for the children are come to birth and there is no strength to bring forth. They're surrounded. They're getting, you know, uh, they're ready to, you know, they're ready to be taken captive if something doesn't happen, if something doesn't intercede. And he says this in verse 4. He says, It may be that the Lord will hear. They're surrounded by an army. They're way outnumbered. Right? And their cell phones didn't go off. <laughs> but they got to call into God. And Hezekiah said this It may be that the Lord thy God will hear. It may be that the Lord thy God will hear all the words of Rabshakan, whom the king of Assyria, his master, hath sent to reproach the living God, and will reprove the words of which the Lord thy God hath heard. You know our prayer ought to be, Lord, do you hear what these people are saying? Will you reprove the words that they're saying that are wrong? We want what's right. Wherefore, he says in verse 4, lift up thy prayer for the remnant that are left. Brethren, that's that's the same call you and I ought to have. Here's, a, here's a Jerusalem, and they're surrounded by an army, and the, the, the city's been taking you know, siege, and they're trying to get in, and Hezekiah's back there, and he's, Lord, uh, all, we have to, all we have is, I hope you're hearing what they're saying. I hope you hear what our enemies are saying about you, and that you'll step in and do something about it. And he's telling his people, folks, we've got to lift up our, our, our voices in prayer, because God will hear us. Amen? 
here are some of the areas that I'm asking you to consider praying for. Uh, at the end of the service during invitation, I'm going to do something a little different. When our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, again, it's not to embarrass anybody, but uh, I'm going to ask you to signify, you know, by raising your hand, just one or two of these areas, or maybe all of them, or three of them, whatever. Uh, pick one or two that you would volunteer to be in prayer for, and then stick to it. Amen? Amen. That's what I would like to have everyone do here today. So please, like I said, have in mind which one that you would like to help with. Um, areas that we need to pray in. We need to pray, number one, and this kind of goes without saying, folks, we need to pray for Israel. Amen. Turn your Bibles, if you will, to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. This needs to be first and foremost, that Israel is God's people. Amen. Israel is God's people. In Genesis chapter 12, the Bible says, Now the Lord hath uh, had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee, curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Folks, you know what we ought to be, we ought to be praying for? And I, again, I know you know this, it's very simple, but, but we ought to have a whole bunch of us that just kind of take it upon ourselves to say, you know what? God blesses those that bless Israel. And we ought to be in prayer for the nation of Israel, for God's people. That ought to be first and foremost in our thoughts, and our mind. We ought to be praying for God's people. Uh, and, and we ought to be praying, as we'll talk about a little bit later, about, you know, again, people that run our country who care about the nation of Israel. Right? Um, it is, God blesses those that bless Israel. That's a biblical truth. That's something you cannot avoid. You cannot get around. You cannot uh, pretend like it doesn't happen or, it, or it's not going to happen. God blesses those that bless Israel. He started way back there with Abraham. In Genesis 18, uh, the, God says this. He's talking with the other two angels that are with him when they come down to see Abraham and Sarah. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great nation, a great and mighty nation, excuse me, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. There's something about the nation of Israel, folks. God blesses that. God loves that nation. God loves that nation. Uh, Genesis 27, uh, you continue on a few, uh, you know, a generation or two later. Jacob went uh, near, near unto Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. You remember the story. Down in verse 29, it says this. Let people serve thee, and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren, let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. Cursed be every one that curseth thee, and blessed be he that blessed thee. Amen. Again, we're told there's a, there's a correlation between how somebody or some nation treats the nation of Israel and how they're treated from God. All right, we need to be in prayer for, uh, for Jacob. In Genesis 28, uh, Jacob went out from, uh, to Beersheba, went towards Haran, and he lighted on a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set, right? Made a, a pillow out of a stone. You remember that story? And down in verse 14, uh, he's, you know, the, 
uh, talking and, and he said, and God says, and thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. Thou shall be spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north, to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all families of the earth be blessed. Amen. Man, there's something about Israel that's near and dear to God's heart. And it ought to be near and dear to our heart. In Genesis 30, uh, Jacob and Laban, you remember the story and how he got his wife. And uh, Laban realizes one thing when you go through that passage. In verse 27, Laban said unto him, Laban says to Jacob, uh, I pray thee, if I have found favor in thy eyes, tarry, for I have learned by experience that the Lord hath blessed me for thy sake. The Lord hath blessed me for thy sake. Folks, the Lord will bless this nation because we care about Israel. And we, we take care to pray for the Jews. Uh, a little further along in the Bible, in the book of Numbers, Balaam, you remember the story of Balaam and Balak? Uh, Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel. Of course, Balak's trying to get him to curse Israel. But, but Balaam's running into a, a problem there. The Lord's got a different idea. And, and that's, you know, that's where somebody with, that prays ought to sta- step in and say, okay, we're doing it God's way. Amen? So Balaam and Balak are going back and forth, and Balak has asked Balaam to curse Israel, and uh, Balaam, just, Balaam just can't seem to get uh, you know, a, a clear conscience and the right words, and the Lord keeps stopping him every time he even attempts to curse Israel. And um, you know, he says this later on, God brought him forth out of Egypt. He hath, as it were, the strength of a unicorn. He shall eat up the nations, his enemies, and shall break their bones and pierce them through with his arrows. That's Israel. We want to be on the right side of Israel. He crouched, he lay down as a lion, and as a great lion, who shall stir him up? Blessed is he that blesseth thee, and cursed is he that curseth thee. The nation of Israel. Don't ever, don't ever go contrary to God's people. Pray for them. I know that they don't understand the gospel like we understand the gospel. I know they've rejected their Messiah. The Lord will take care of all that. He's perfectly capable of taking care of all those things. But for right now, for right now, our job is to pray for the nation of Israel. Psalm 122.6 says, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. Not only should you pray for them, brethren, you ought to have a heart for them. All right? Maybe a cousin, but he's kin. All right? He's family. I'll tell you something else we need to pray for. Again, choose what you want along the way or hopefully multiple. We need to pray against unity with the world. Now, some may think this is an odd, if not unkind thing to pray. (laughs) But let me explain with biblically. Turn with me back to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. And again, you know the stories. You're familiar with them. Genesis chapter 6. We're getting up to the place where God's going to judge the world and and Noah's going to come onto the scene here. Uh, And it came to pass, when verse 1, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair. um, And they took them, wives, all of which they chose. 
And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them. The same became mighty men, which were, men of, uh, which were of old, men of renown. And look at verse 5. And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowl of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So you have a scenario back there where in Genesis 6 where all the world is trying to get together. And what happened? The imagination of their heart and of their thoughts of their heart was only evil continually. Take a look at Genesis chapter 11. It happens again. Genesis chapter 11. And the whole earth was of one language and one speech. Now this is after the flood. I'll show you a little timeline in a minute. This is after the flood. The whole earth was of one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a, a plain in the land of Shinar. That's over by Babylon. And they dwelt there. And they said one to another, go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And uh, they had brick for stone and slime they had for mortar. And uh, they said, go, let us build a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered. Lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, this people is one. Right? And they have all one language. And this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them which they have <clears throat> imagined to do. There's that word again. Same thing pops up. Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there, uh, did there confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of the earth. Babel, um, you know. A confused mixture of sound or voices. But I want, you to, I want you to see something here. Take a look back in Genesis chapter 10. Genesis chapter 10. Let's look at verse... Look at verse 21. Um... Unto Shem also the father of all the children of Eber were uh, the brother of Japheth the elder. Even to him were children born. The children of Shem, uh, Elam and Ashur and Arphaxad and uh, Lud and Aram. And the children of Aram, Uz and Hul and Gether and Mash. And Arphaxad begat Salah and Salah begat Eber. And unto Eber were born two sons. The name of the one was Peleg. For in his days 
was the earth divided, and his brother's name was Joktan. So Peleg, for in his days, in Peleg's days, was the earth divided. Now some people try to make this to be like a continental drift after the flood. I don't think so. In his days was the earth divided. Notice it's already after the flood. I mean, we're talking, if you, we'll look, see in a minute here, it's probably about 300 years after the flood. So any geological shifting that happened in the, in the floods already taken place. Um, but look at a, a cross-reference. A cross-reference. Turn your Bibles, if you will. Keep your hand in Genesis there. But turn to Acts 17, 26. What are we talking about? We're talking about things to pray for. And one of the things that we pray for is against unity with the world. Why? Because in the Bible, it never worked. All right? So we're, we're talking right around the Tower of Babel, and this reference to Peleg comes up in the, the few verses right before that. Acts, 20, Acts 17, verse 26. And he hath made of one blood all nations... Praise the Lord, we're all one, you know, we are all one blood, we're all people. Mankind is mankind, doesn't matter where you're from. Any place in the globe, we're all, we're all men, right? We're the same in that respect. And he hath made of one blood all nations uh, of men for to dwell upon the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed, and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him, and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. You ask, why do you think that verse is talking about Genesis 11? Tower of Babel. Turn, if you will, to, uh, uh, again, keep your hand in Genesis, but turn back to Deuteronomy. Turn back to Deuteronomy. And in Deuteronomy chapter 32, Deuteronomy chapter 32, the Bible says this, down in verse 7, Deuteronomy 32, 7. Remember the days of old, consider the years of many generations, ask thy father and he will show thee, the elders and, and they will tell thee. When the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam and set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land and in the waste howling wilderness. And he led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. So you see these words that connect these different passages of scripture. Genesis chapter 10, Genesis 11, uh, Acts 17. Uh, divided, separated, the bounds of their habitation. The common words in these passages. And, and what you begin to see is that you go back and you have uh, Adam. <clears throat> he said, you know, let's just say it's, uh, for round numbers sake, I used 4,000 B.C. So that's where all the dates come from. But I started at zero for Adam, added all these things up, and if you, if you add everybody's life, you come down and you have the flood around 2,344 years after Adam. Uh, I'm sorry, 1,656 years after Adam, which would equate to 2,344 B.C. if you go backwards from 4,000. So around 2344 B.C.-ish is the flood. We get beyond the flood, and we have Shem. He was born about 2444 B.C., 
And then Arphaxad, then Salah, then Eber. These are some of the names we were just reading back in Genesis chapter 10. And then we get down to Peleg. Now, Peleg, it says, in his days was the earth divided. So you got Peleg around 2243 BC. That's when he's born. And he, he lives uh, 239 years, if I, if I remember. Yeah, 239 years. There you go. The math works. 20, 2243 to about 2004 BC. So the Tower of Babel happens at some point during that time. So if you look at our, uh, if you look at our timeline, just to put things in perspective, you got the Old Testament, which is 4,000-ish years old, New Testament, somewhere around 2,000 years old, millennium. You've got the flood that happens about 2344 BC, almost halfway through, almost halfway through the Old Testament. You don't think of that, but that's when it happens. And then the Tower of Babel happens about 300-ish years later. So back in Genesis 6, all the earth was getting together. The Lord looks down. The imagination of the thoughts of their hearts was only evil continually. And the Lord says, I've got to break this thing up. This is not working. This is not good. Look what's happening. Look what they're going to do. And the Lord, it, it upset the Lord so much, he wiped them completely out. Except for Noah and his family. That's how bad the Lord was set against what was going on. So then they get on the other side of the flood and they, uh, you know, they begin to populate and grow and families grow. And, and before you know it, within about 300 years, it's happening again. This time they build a tower, Babel. And the Lord looks down and he begins to see the same problem with everybody getting together and wish that we can be as one so that the Lord doesn't separate us. And he, 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 he sees the same pattern happening again. He says, wait a minute, we got to stop this. Well, let's see, I promise not to flood them out already. I can't do that again. I know what I'll do. Boom, boom. He gives them, he confounds their language. He confounds their language. So that um, they would wind up separating. You have Abraham show up shortly thereafter. And he starts off down in Ur of the Chaldees. Which is down in the bottom right hand corner where you see that little pyramid. And then they travel. They leave Ur and they head up to Haran. Which is way up there in uh, Turkey area. And then he winds up coming down into Canaan. And of course over into Egypt. That's the, uh, the path that, that Abraham, a patriarch, took. And if you look, it looks like that's actually the land that God's going to give to the nation of Israel. Because when you start reading the descriptions of the, the land, the land is not just Palestine. The descriptions in the Bible say that their land goes all the way over to the Euphrates. Right? So right now, you know, all those countries are arguing about a few square feet of land down here on the, uh, on the coast. Sorry, guys, when the, Lord takes, uh, when the Lord sets this thing up, they get all of it. And then we read in Deuteronomy how the Lord, and again, in reference to, I think, to Genesis chapter 11, uh, divided, divided the land and divided the countries up. And so what you basically have throughout the course of the Old Testament is they, they came and the Lord gave Israel that center section of land there. And the Shemites seemed to have migrated, the, those descendants of Shem, seem to migrate over towards the east, and they wrap around, of course, to the Americas. And the, uh, uh, the descendants of Japheth kind of go up north. They migrate up north, and they, of course, eventually wind up in the Americas. And the descendants of Ham wind up going down to, uh, to the African continent. 
The Lord divided that thing up. You say, that's discrimination. No, the Lord divided it up for a different reason. The Lord divided it up because every time those folks started getting together, it, it messed with them and they got their mind on, on wrong things. And before you know it, their imagination was only evil continually. So the Lord said, you know what? I'm just going to separate you out. And that way you'll be able to seek God. The Lord set the bounds of the people so that uh, Acts 17 says this. And he hath made of one blood all nations of all men to dwell on all the face of the earth, right? The Lord made us all. Amen. Amen? Praise the Lord for that. I'm glad for that. And hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. He saw that it wasn't real good if we all get together. That they should seek the Lord. That was the purpose of him separating us over the globe. Because when we, when we all get together, there's something about it. I don't know what it is. I mean, I know what it is. It's a spiritual thing. But when we all get together and try to be one big happy family and under one world government, you know, like the Antichrist wants, why do you think that's a bad thing? Well, because it's happened a couple times before. It didn't work in either one of those times either. So what's the Antichrist going to do when he comes in and sets up his kingdom? He's going to try to get us all together again. Well, why, why do that? Because then people won't seek God. Right? I'm not saying that a person can't immigrate from Spain to Korea. That's not what I'm talking about. Right? Or any other country for that matter. That's not the gist of what I mean. What I mean is it, there's a spiritual component to it when, the, when everybody in the world starts getting together and starts getting together. It, the devil's there in the midst of that. And it, historically, it has always gone against God. Okay, so it's not a good thing. Let's not do it. Not, not hard. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with any country anywhere. It's just, uh, we're humans and we're fallible, and this is one of the things where we get ourselves in trouble. Let's avoid it. Amen. Right? Romans 12 puts it like this. Because when they knew not God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. <laughs> There's something about it. There's a spiritual component about it. Amen? Like I said, the Antichrist is doing that. That's why I don't think it's a good idea. All right? Another thing we need to pray for. Folks, it goes, you know, pretty simple. We need to pray for protection and provision. Amen? Amen? We need to pray for protection and provision. Psalm 4.8 says, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep for thou... Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. Famous verse we all love, the horse is prepared against the day of battle, but safety is of the Lord. You know what you and I need in this country? What a lot of folks in this country need, brethren? They need protection. Amen. They need provision. They need a safety that can only come from God. There's a lot of people right now in this country who are afraid to go to sleep at night because of all the gunshots they hear around their neighborhood. That's not a good thing. Right? We, as Christians, we ought to be in prayer for them. God, do something. Help them. Okay, we can't go solve the problem, but we, can, we know a God who can solve the problem. Right? 
We ought to be in prayer for, you know, our fellow countrymen who are, who are living in places and who are living in conditions where their safety is in jeopardy every time they lay their head down on their pillow. And we ought to be in prayer for one for another because we don't want that to happen in our country, Amen. in our neighborhood, in our town, on our block. How do we battle? How do we combat? Brethren, uh, as a church, as Christians across this country... The biggest weapon we have is prayer. We have to be able to, on a regular basis, take it to God. Lord, do something about this. The wicked are gaining control. The wicked are, are, seem to be in power. The, the wicked are getting uh, you know, more and more ungodly. Lord, you know what they're doing. You know what they're thinking. Would you judge righteously between the wicked and the just? Would you cause the right things to happen between the wicked and the just? God, we need you to intercede because the truth of the matter is, we can't do it ourselves. We need, we need to be in prayer for protection and provision. Philippians 4.19, another very famous verse says, But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. How are you going to get through this mess if it happens here in Hastings? The Lord. And who knows? I mean, it may take some pretty extraordinary measures. But I know, I know our first line of defense and our greatest asset is prayer. And begging God. And every time we think about it. I mean. And I'm guilty of it. I am. I'm guilty of it. How many times in the last week have you prayed for the folks in downtown Minneapolis. That are living like that. They're living in that. Or Chicago. I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm guilty of forgetting to do that. As I was getting this message ready. You know what I did? I put it on my prayer list. Right on the top of my prayer list. Just as a reminder, because I'm human and I will forget. And the problem is, if all of us keep forgetting, we're not praying. Right? Which is the whole purpose. Let's change that. Let's change that. So we need to be in prayer for uh, protection and provision, not only for yourself, not only for all of us here in the church, but for our fellow countrymen across this land. Honestly, saved or lost. I mean, I would just as soon have somebody live in downtown Minneapolis long enough to hear the gospel and trust Jesus Christ as opposed to getting shot, dying, and going to hell. Right? Before they, before they make that decision to trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. We ought to be in prayer. Finally, I'll wrap things up hopefully pretty quickly here. Finally, we need to be in prayer for our politicians. 1 Timothy 2, 1 says, I exhort thee, therefore, first, that uh, first of all, supplications and prayers, intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men. Fair enough, that's what we're talking about. Also says, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. Brethren, we have, uh, we have an election coming up and we need politicians in office that we choose that are going to represent our values 
that's what they're supposed to do, represent. That's why we choose them. And I'm going to tell you something here. It doesn't mean, young ones, please listen to me. Because it used to be where we could kind of get away with this. It used to be where you could kind of go into the the polling booth and you kind of knew which side you were on. And you could kind of just choose everybody on that side and be kind of confident that, you know, you're probably going to be okay. Not anymore. A self-described transsexual Satanist anarchist has won the Republican nomination for the sheriff's job in Cheshire County, New Hampshire. A victory, she says, proves the system is utterly uh, hopeless and broken. Damasio said she opposed a system that that allowed thousands of people to walk into a voting booth and vote despite knowing absolutely nothing about the person they were voting for. And they voted Damasio in as the GOP candidate for sheriff. You can't just go to the voting booth. I'll get that off there quickly. You can thank me later. You can't just go into the booth and blindly cast your ballot. Why? You know, it used to be people were relatively honest. And, you know, they were kind of up front about, you know what drives me nuts when I get the political campaigns, I look and I look and I look and I just try to figure out which party are they from. And it's just kind of become a, you know, almost like a game. Because 90% of the time, they don't tell you. Now, that's intentional. That's deceit. Right? It used to be, it used to be there was, you know, a certain element of, of integrity and, and honesty and, and, you know, forthrightness. I know those are bad words to use in the context of politicians, but there was at least a little bit of it. That's completely gone, brethren. We need to be in prayer because that is completely gone, and we need to be a little more cautious. Right? We need to be a little more cautious. I'm asking that you pray, that you pray, and I, I'm out of time. I was going to go through some of the stuff with uh, uh, Ginsburg, with the Supreme Court situation we have going on in this country. Huge, Amen. huge issue. We need to be in prayer, folks, that the people of this country choose wisely. Because we have to suffer the repercussions of it. What did I do with... If they try to replace RBG, right? Ruth Bader Ginsburg. We'll burn the entire thing down.
Really? Is that how we as Americans handle this stuff? Burn it all down, that's what they said. A Canadian, of all things, a Canadian. A political science professor called for arson. Burn down Congress before letting Trump try to appoint anyone to the Supreme Court of the United States. Really? How did we get there? How did we get there? Brethren, we, we need prayer. We need, we need people of God aware of what's going on and in prayer for Israel against unity of the world. Unity with the world, let me put it that way. We need people that will pray for protection and provision for the people in downtown Minneapolis just like the people in downtown Hastings. We need people that will pray, pray for our politicians who are going to be making these decisions. And we need, we need to be in prayer about every single one of them. Why? Because, brethren, <laughs> this is our country. God does answer prayer. And prayer can accomplish the impossible. I don't have time to go in. I was, I was going to throw uh, illustrations in where, where prayer has done that very thing. But time and time again, people have prayed to God because they were in a dire situation. The Lord's looked down upon them and had pity on them. Because God sees when the situation is bad. And when you have a bunch of people who are praying to him, especially his children praying to him saying God this is bad this is bad we got to live with this will you show us how to get out will you do something to get us out of here the Lord looks looks down and he and he intervenes in the affairs of men he intervenes in the affairs of men and brethren the impossible happened don't ever think for a moment that things are hopeless even in this country why because a whole bunch of people can Get a hold of God and say, Lord, would you spare this country? I mean, there's somebody during the tribulation period that's still helping the Jews, right? Amen. Might as well be us. <laughs> I'm certainly hoping that eagle that they, uh, that they fly on the wings of an eagle, that, I'm certainly hoping that eagle is the United States. It looks really good that... But we got to get to that point first. I mean, I know we're not going to the tribulation, but we got to protect and maintain the country to be able to get there. Amen. Amen. A nation in need of prayer. A nation in need of prayer. We need people that will support Israel. That will support liberty. I mean, didn't God come to set captives free? <laughs> didn't God come to free us from sin? Didn't God give us a free will? We need people in all realms of government that will support you and I worshiping God the way that our heart dictates. And quite frankly, won't shut us down because of the flu. 
but it means we have to take an active step. Prayer. And I hope, I really do hope every single one of you who are old enough and can legally do it will vote. Without that, we're, we're, in, we're in trouble. Right? I know a bunch of Christians who, for a long time, haven't voted. And I think they ought to. Why? Well, because we need to try everything we can. I need to be in prayer and, and look at your ballots. Get out. These candidates have websites. Go look and see if you agree with them or not. And then make yourself a little list. Oh, I agree with this one. I don't agree with this one. I agree with this one. I don't agree with this one. And then when you go in there, oh, that's the one. That's the one. I'm not as worried about what they have next to their name. <laughs> but we're in need of prayer. God still answers prayer. God often waits until we ask. It takes time. We need to let God know that we're serious about these things. Don't faint in your prayer. And remember, always remember, prayer works even against impossible odds. Amen? Amen? Let's bow for prayer. Father, we thank you again for uh, your book, Lord, for these illustrations, for the insight that you've given us into how you... Uh, intervene in the affairs of men. Father, I pray that you'd help each and every one of us to do our part. We're at a crossroads in our nation. There are some things here that threaten the, uh, the liberties that we have in Jesus Christ, the liberties that we have to worship our God freely and openly. Uh, there's some things, Father, that we're awful concerned about, and we pray that you would have your hand in decisions that are being made right now, even as we speak. Father, we pray that you would thwart uh, the enemies. Of, uh, of things that are godly, that you would cause their, their methods and their madness, quite frankly, to fail, and that you would help us as Christians to prevail, um, that we might lead a peaceable life, Father. We might be able to worship thee in, in, in spirit and in truth. Uh, just ask you to, again, help us to remember this is what is at stake in our country right now. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.